Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. (laughs) I legit just unzipped my skirt because it was getting a little tight. one of those things <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> tights like, and a skirt I was like let me try this skirt on it fit okay but then like you go through the day and your body like expands I feel yeah, like right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway maybe that's too real for our audience to, to hear about okay let's go hey 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 and we're back episode 14 of brown ambition welcome back everybody yes we're back, back, back like a heart attack. It's Te- Thanksgiving week. I know. What are you I doing? Have, I have mixed emotions. Well, I'm going to, my sister, she just had a baby, so she's having it. Thanksgiving at her house um, for the first time. So excited about that. Superman will be coming. and Because she has nothing else to do besides like nothing. To, <laughs> she has so much free time to like be able to, you know, serve Thanksgiving dinner plus a newborn. She thinks she's just like, I'm not trying to take the baby out the house. Come to the house. So, oh, that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I always spend it with like my immediate family, like my parents and my sisters. So that's Thanksgiving usually. And it's always really nice. And then I'll like friend hop later. Do you guys do like a traditional Thanksgiving dinner? Or do you have Nigerian food? How does that work? A mix. I, you know, it's so crazy because being Nigerian is so a part of me that I'm like, I'm like, no, it's totally traditional. Then I'm like, do you even know what traditional is? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm like, y'all don't eat a goosey soup? <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure it's a mix. I mean, like we have a turkey. And of course, we have we have African food and traditional American food as well. Mm, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. It love, is good. I love African food. Not that it's all the same, but what I've had, I've enjoyed. <laughs> um, yeah, we're doing, I decided to host like a Friendsgiving because this is, well, I haven't been home for Thanksgiving in like six years, I realized. Mm. And lately we've been going to my booze family's house, but they don't eat till super late. They're Dominican. I guess that's like a thing. It's like, come at seven, we'll eat at 11 kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm just really used to my mom's family's Thanksgiving. You come at two and you eat for the next like seven hours and you like sit and watch TV. So this year I was like, let me just do a real Thanksgiving. And today I decided I'm going to do a turkey and then I started making a shopping list and then I added all the sides and then I was like, I'm going to be broke. And then I was like, why am I doing this? And I thought about canceling and then I had like a mini heart attack, but I'm working on stress. So I'm taking some deep breaths and I'm just going to do whatever I can. I'm going to do the best I can. You know, I got to work. So I'm going to try and I'll try and do a turkey, some sides. I'm not going to go crazy and hopefully it'll be fun. Importantly, I got all the champagne and the booze, so step one is complete. <laughs> and that's what people really come If it all goes to hell, we will just be consuming cocktails. <laughs> ah, Thanksgiving. And so let's jump into Buzzworthy. Okay. 
There's some fun stuff this week. Did you see the new? Um, so everyone went crazy with the new Apple commercial with Taraji Carey and um, Mary J. Blige. But did you see the new one? Yeah. Did you hear that Oprah was supposed to be a part of the commercial last minute? She was like, actually, no. <laughs> that's what I read. I mean, who knows if it's true, but that was the word on the street. I just, it seems weird. I'm like, I can't see Oprah hanging out with them. That's what I was just about to say. Like, whenever Oprah tries to pretend like she's like tequila, woo, <laughs> I don't buy it. I'm like, you know, you know, you're having like a chai tea. You're not sipping exactly. tequila, you're you know. Picking on your unicorn's tears. I feel like she's too grown. Like, not that they're not grown either, but like, I don't buy the girlfriend vibe from Oprah, you know. No, I do, but just not with them. Maybe not with I them. I barely buy the girlfriend vibe with them with Carrie Washington. I'm like, mm, I don't know, Carrie. Do you know when she was, well, you know what, when she said that, because in the video they're listening to like salsa music or she turns it on because she's like, who asked her, what makes you feel sexy? Which, by the way, I've never asked my girlfriend that ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a natural question. And she's like, mm, you know, when you in the Bronx, your neighbors turn on the Mark Anthony. And so I was like, is she from the, I knew she went to a, like a prep school. So I Googled her real quick and she actually did grow up in the Bronx. So she has that. Yeah. Cause even the educated. way she said the Bronx, I was like, mm, I'm not, I'm not believing it, but okay. Like Mary Ataraji, clearly they read realistic homegirl. Hey, what's up? You know, but Carrie, and not to say she's not, she doesn't seem like a nice woman, but I felt like it was slightly, the homegirl vibe was slightly forced. I did read somewhere that the, I don't know, it was the CEO, CFO, whomever said that, you know, girls are not, girls are, are better at picking out guys. Oh, oh yeah. You're yeah. talking about Johnny Ivine or whatever Irvine or he owns Apple Music. He's like a famous producer. And he said that the quote was something like women don't know how to find music. Exactly. And I was like, oh, OK. So before this whole Apple, whatever thing you're pushing, I guess women just listen to dead air. Thanks. Like, it, what, like oh, my God. Like, where is the music? Um, you just can't find it. <laughs> the radio is so hard. Um, I think he just put his foot in his mouth. You know, he probably came out and apologized even since then. But I just thought that was funny. I was just like, when people say stuff like that and they're not whatever it is they're talking about, I'm like, oh, because in your expert non-woman opinion. It's the same thing. You know, I went to this um, this past week. It was Women Entrepreneurship Day. And I had the opportunity to go to the United Nations and sit in for the whole day long event at different panels. And all these amazing women entrepreneurs got up and gave speeches and stuff. And I, I met a guy there who was from this huge investment firm, Massive, um, and we were talking about, you know, introducing ourselves, talking about investing. I was like, well, so what brings you here? You're like the one dude in the entire audience. And he's like, you know, my firm is really trying to figure out how to attract more women, you know, because women are so, they, you know, don't like investing and they're so afraid to kind of like put their money in the market. And right then I was like, like, I really hate that that whole notion of like, oh, women aren't investing because they're afraid or they don't know how to or they're not confident. I feel like may, that may be true in some aspects, but when you keep on, like when you keep proliferating that stereotype or putting that out there, it just, yeah, it just, it, it, everyone starts believing it. And then soon enough it becomes like, oh yeah, women just are bad with money. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, I mean, I, honestly, with what I do with the Budgetista, women asking or wanting to invest is the number one request outside of like savings and like a little bit of credit stuff. But almost every woman is like, so I really want to invest. It's not even a matter of like, oh, I'm afraid of the market. It's just, you know, like you said, there's this lack of, to me, if there is a lack of knowledge, it's because there's a lack of um, 
pointed education in this direction. And women, and women are quicker to women are quicker to admit that they have a lack of knowledge. Yep. And to ask those questions. And also, I was telling him, I was like, why focus, why put on the focus on finding women and trying to figure out how to teach your mostly male advisors? Because let's not get it twisted. Like financial advisor as an industry, financial advisory firms as an industry are crazy, crazily skewed toward men as advisors and like hardly any women at all. And I said, if you want, like, stop trying to teach your male advisors how to speak to women and just focus on recruiting more women. Yep, it's like as advisors. Like you ever see those commercials, and you're it's so clear that there was not a brown face around the table, and they're like, the commercial opened up with Jamal, and he's like, "Yo, yo, yo, what up, yo? <laughs> Have a coke, man." And you're like, "Who in the?" <laughs> you're like, clearly there was no Jamal present at the table when you guys right. were deciding about this commercial, or like the 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 song that they've chosen. It's so clear that. You're like, what? Nobody even listens to music like that anymore. Just like like when you said Carrie was like, what makes you feel sexy? Like, women don't talk like that. Was there no woman writer available to help you with that line? Well, Ava DuVernay supposedly directed, and I love her, but that was an awkward little line. (laughs) I know. Sometimes I just think to myself that, like, you're right. Instead of trying to get people to figure out, well, how do we reach that audience? Why don't you find that audience to reach that audience? Yeah, meet us where we are. Don't expect us to come to your level wherever you want us to be. Well, speaking of Carrie, and I'm going to segue into like the Shonda Land, Shonda mm-hmm. Rhimes. First of all, Shonda Rhimes' new book is out, Year of Yes, and I have it. I can't wait to read it. But I wanted to talk about um, Carrie Washington and Scandal this past week. Do you watch Scandal? Yeah, on occasion. So I don't want to. This is a this is a huge spoiler. So if you are listening and you haven't watched this latest episode of Scandal, please fast forward on the podcast a couple minutes because I I have to talk about the scene in the latest episode. Do you mind, Tiffany, if I spoil it for you? Yeah, no, that's fine. I don't watch it like that. So I stopped watching. Honestly, I haven't watched the past five episodes because I'm so sick of the whole like love triangle and the back and forth. I get exhausted by it between her and the president. Um, fits. Mm -hmm. But I saw a couple of headlines that got me to catch up and watch the latest episode, which involved, from what I read, I knew it was going to involve an abortion scene. Mm -hmm. I saw a scandal, you know, dramatic abortion scene, must watch or whatever. I didn't realize how they were going to do it. And the way that they did it is, so Carrie Washington, her character, Olivia Pope, has an abortion. Um, at the, but at the way they did it was so unique. I don't know if you've ever watched any of Shonda's other shows like Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. She handled abortion in, uh, in an early season of Grey's Anatomy. One of her characters, Christina Yang, decides to have an abortion. And it was like a huge like arc storyline. You know, she's, she's an uh, established doctor, very wealthy, obviously. She's almost engaged practically to another head of surgery um, man. And he wants to have kids so badly. And it's like a back and forth because she does not want to have kids kids and they follow it for a few episodes and it's this huge drawn out thing and finally she decides I'm going to have the abortion mm. I thought it was really powerful she did the exact opposite this time with with uh, with Scandal so Carrie, like the entire episode goes by and nothing's happening I'm like where's the abortion at? She's not even pregnant no one even knows she's pregnant, like when's it going to happen well it turns out like three quarters of the way through all you see is Olivia just in a doctor's office and the doctor's like you can come back now and as the song Silent Night and Ave Maria is playing, you see her going through the procedure. 
and there's no conversation. She's not talking to, you know, her lover fits about it. And it was just, no matter what your beliefs about abortion are, it was just a really striking and like surprisingly, um, like realistic image of what it is for a woman to go through that decision. And I just thought it was, and especially since Olivia represents to so many women, like a powerful woman, like owns her own business is like very powerful in her career. I thought it was, I thought it was a really interesting way of approaching the subject um, and being true to the character of who she is. Did she, did she tell Fitz that um, she was pregnant? No, it happens. I'm not even kidding. Like the whole episode, you, it kind of foreshadows it because in the beginning, one of the senators is um, filibustering where you stand up there for six, you know, stand up there for hours and you talk until the clock runs out on the voting for a bill to get the bill from being passed. And this particular bill was going to defund Planned Parenthood, which is very like of today's time. You know, this almost happened or this, um, you know, almost happened a, a month ago. And uh, so you're hearing this senator, you know, protesting this bill about defunding Planned Parenthood and like women's rights to, you know, proper health care. And then three quarters of the way through, like it just flips to Olivia going to the, the doctor. Um, I mean, it's not Planned Parenthood um, and, and getting the abortion. And oh. she doesn't tell Fitz. And there's I mean, who knows what's going to happen next episode? Yeah. Um, and that was the only, like, I am, I'm clearly pro-choice. I know women who've had abortions and I know women who have, um, I think it's important to show an abortion story. That's not just someone who's been raped or someone who's poor or someone who's like 13 years old. And like you show a real woman who's like established, has a career on paper, has every reason to like be able to bring a, a child into the world and yet makes a decision not to. And I think that that is, it's really important to show that because those women do exist. Mm -hmm. And so often abortion is like talked about along the lines of like, oh, it's okay if you follow, if you yeah. tick these boxes, you know? Yeah, I see what you mean. So I, I, I really appreciate Shonda for doing that. And I mean, it'll be all kinds of crazy controversy about it. But, um, and you know, I think my only, you know, I'm not even going to judge, you know, I have my own thoughts about it, but honestly... If you've never been in that position before where you're, you know, you're just deciding to have an abortion, you can't, I, I can't even judge. She's a fake character. She's not real. But I can't judge Olivia for the way she did it because it is like her choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel what you're saying about like the way certain things are portrayed. Like, oh, this is the only way that you can make that choice. And I, I haven't been placed in that choice. I mean, I've known friends who have been and... You know, and I'm trying to think, you know, I know any friend that kind of just chose, oh, I don't really want to have kids. Maybe so, but they probably haven't told because you're right. That's considered like, why would you make that choice? You're supposed to only make it under duress, basically. You know, it's so hard for people to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's studies that show that most women who have not most, but like a, a good proportion of women who have abortions have already had kids and they're yeah. older and they're like, I just don't want anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? So um, I just love I just feel like mm, like. Grey's Anatomy is still so relevant. I know it's been around for 100 million years, but Shonda Rhimes is still working it. That show is so relevant. I feel like Scandal, to me, has gotten me back interested all of a sudden because, like, I was so sick of the love triangle. No, I am kind of sick of that. You know, it's very novella, TV novella. You're like, all right, it's a little bit wild. I used to actually, what I liked about Scandal, like, of course, you know, we all kind of liked the love triangle at first. But what I liked was, like, you know, the individual cases. Like, ooh, how's she going to solve this one? I enjoyed those. They finally get back to that. Yeah, I'm like, please bring that back. Because, you know, to me, the love triangle was supposed to be like a background to the actual, like, almost like, um, what is it? Like, 
those like cop shows that every like it, there's literally like a thousand spinoffs of this one cop show. The um, New York Undercover, not New York Undercover. What is CSI? that? CSI? No, not CSI. Law and Order. Law and Order. You know, like how Law and Order. The reason, one of the reasons why it's so successful is that each show is like a brand new breath of air. You know, right. And so, like, I'm kind. I kind of like that about Shonda's show that it was like, oh, okay, it's a brand new show. Yes, there's some remnants of the old show with this love triangle, but basically, we're solving this issue. Yeah, I think you can skip the last four episodes. Just watch this latest one and then start again. Because it, ugh, it was like, come on. If I, I just see Fitz and his little whip, lip quivering and, like, him just crying about his ladies. Like, can you imagine Obama sitting around and, like, calling his girlfriend? Like, he doesn't have time for that. I just cannot imagine Obama with time for, like, this crazy love triangle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just crazy. Well, thanks, Shonda. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Girl, you got it. So, brown break, brown break, brown break. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we break for you? So, first I gotta find it. So, I have this Facebook group online called, like, Dream Catchers. It's just basically, like, all my, my whole tribe, basically, for the budget needs to, like, people who are, like, wanting to get on financial track. It's mostly women, mostly brown girls. And it's pretty dope. Except, so they have been, like, addicted to this thing called the money mantra. Have you heard of the money, money mantra, Mandy? No. Ooh, like, that was like, a, that was like a tongue twister. Money mantra, Mandy? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the money mantra, I'm going to try to find it. And it's so funny because I always forget, like, how, I want money, ma- ma- Mandy, money <laughs> in my computer. Um, it's funny because I forget sometimes that my worlds combine. And, um, so someone in the group, cause I had talked about the money mantra, how I'm kind of sick of it. And someone in the group was like, uh, you should totally make the money mantra your brown break. I was like, what you know about the brown break? <laughs> <laughs> but like, what's, a, what is it though? So it's this mantra that you basically, it says, I, um, I'm a money magnet. I attract money and money attracts me. So it's just basically like, you know, a positive affirmation. Oh, it's the secret. Yeah. So which there's nothing wrong with that, except the women at first, the, um, I call them the dream catchers. At first, the dream catchers in the group would use it and say, oh, I said the money mantra today just to get myself going and pumped up. Great. And then it became like the secret witch spell. <laughs> it was like people would say, I said the money mantra and a check came in the mail. And then mm-hmm. that's literally what they would say. That's it. Or I said the money mantra and I found a dollar on the ground or I said the money mantra. And it stopped being like, oh, people stopped showing the the action they took besides saying the money mantra. It worked. Yeah. And so it got me worried because um, somebody hit me behind the scenes, one of the dream catchers. And she said, you know, Tiffany, I'm worried about the direction of the group. I get it. The money mantra is just one of the tools you can use to kind of get yourself pumped up. But if I was brand new and had never done any other financial work, I might come to the group and think, oh, the only way or like the main way to change my financial, you know, future is just to make this chant and say this chant and then it'll magically happen. And so that's my brown break. I'm breaking from that daggone money mantra. That well, if you're going to use it, show, it's like showing the math, you know? Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with mantra. And I was telling the women that. I said, you know, I love a good mantra. You know, sometimes a mantra is just quick. Like, you could do it. You could do it. You got it. Or sometimes it's more, um, I used to do this mantra in the mirror. I used to do uh, mirror work. So I would leave the house and I would tell myself, because like in high school, I was severely, um, like self-conscious about my looks, about my dark skin, about my little nose, everything. 
And so I would tell myself in the mirror every morning when I left the house, you are beautiful, you are worthy. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with a good mantra, but you have to do something beyond that. And, you know, it would, I don't like for, for people to think that all they have to do is this one basically easy thing and then your life will be changed. Especially like if you got a check in the mail, admit that you went to this website because there's this website where you can go to that um that if you have lost or lost money i forget the website name like um you might have had a bank account 10 years ago you forgot and you have money there or there's a check waiting for you someplace and so you can put your name in so a lot of the women were putting their name in and finding money that that was the work not necessarily the mantra you put your name in you went to the website you did some work yeah, and so yeah. i just want to take a break from that just because i'm just like uh there is no easy. It wasn't. It took you years to get into financial trouble. It's going to take you some time to get out of it. And a mantra is one of the tools at your disposable disposal, but certainly not the only tool for the dream catchers listening. I'm talking to you because I it, it love sparked, it. <laughs> it sparked like a nice little debate. And I don't mind a lot of I don't mind debate as long as people are respectful. You know, if don't I see one more inspirational quote in my Instagram feed. I, um, <laughs> I know. Like, like another one. Jesus. Exactly. Just show me what you have for dinner. Come on. Right, an Instagram, <laughs> Instagram preacher. Like, you know what? The sky opened and floods came. And that means your blessing is coming. You're like, all right, girl. But, uh, you know, you got to read a book as every you once in a while, too. It's you know <laughs> funny. Gotta, like. I I was really into The Secret when I was in college. I remember watch. I'll never forget watching that episode of Oprah. They were, and I I don't even know if I go, I don't I'll never be as innocent and impressionable as I was during the height of the Oprah craze because everything she did I would do, everything. <laughs> ate the yogurt she ate, read the book she read. I was just like Oprah is God and God is Oprah. Um, so when she had The Secret author on, I got the book. And all of it, it did make my life better. But, you know, now that I, I, I thought about it later, you know, one day I was passing by a bush of flowers, like a really pretty thing of flowers. And I was like, man, I would love to get some flowers. The next day I got a bouquet of flowers, mm. like out of the blue. My mom sent them to me. And that, but now I'm thinking like in order to get those flowers, I had, I did something for her. I was really nice about something or I did, I said something really nice or anyway, she was like rewarding me for something I had done to earn the flowers. Yeah. It was, and I mean, I, I get that. I think what the secret kind of teaches you is you have to put something out yes. and then you will receive. But people forget that first step. Because I, I because honestly, I believe in karmic energy. I believe that you can draw things to you, but I don't. I don't believe that only karmic energy is the only way. Meaning that, like you know, I like for example, I remember I put. I have a vision board. So, you know, that's that's karmic energy. You put it out there. That's the secret as well. Um, you put it, you know, you put your visions or the things that you want on your vision board. And I remember when I was 26, I had said, I want to go to Greece. So I put it on my vision board and then every year it didn't happen. And I would take down the picture and put it on my, the next year's vision board every year until about three years ago. So basically for like seven years, I was saying, I want to go to Greece. I want to go to Greece. And then about three years ago, I finally was like, maybe it was even last year. I was like, so Tiffany, if you want to go to Greece, you might want to book a flight. (laughs) (laughs) And then I did. And then I ended up going to Greece and Turkey for my birthday that year. Look at what happened. I know. And I was just like, because I realized, (laughs) like, what are you waiting for? You waiting for Greece to like come to your doorstep and say, hey, girl, let's go. Like book a flight. (laughs) The universe does not take any major credit cards. Exactly. So it's just like a mix of those things. It's like there's definitely been things that have happened in my life that I'm like, wow, where did that come from? But the vast majority, I had to put some work for it. And if you're listening now and you missed last week's episode, we had on Patrice. um, 
Williams, C. Williams, and that's her last name, right? Washington. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was like, that doesn't sound right in my head. Patrice Washington. Love you, Patrice. Um, And we talked about something similar, yeah, with her, and she had a really, she had some really good thoughts on that. So definitely go download episode 13 if you haven't yet for our amazing interview with Patrice. Yeah, she's dope. My brown break, I have to take things a little bit serious because it's just like it's one of those times just like you, like a little tiny bit of things just keep adding up. And we all know that there is a refugee crisis happening, um, especially in Syria right now. Syrians are fleeing a civil war where chemical acid warfare has been used on them. Children have been dying. People have been displaced. It's all at war over there. So obviously they want to flee. Um, And they're fleeing to Europe. And in in the wake of what happened in Paris... Although I don't believe any Syrians were involved that I've heard of so far. I believe the mastermind was from Belgium. But it's funny how facts just, you know, slip through the cracks when people are blinded by their own fear. Um, In the wake of what happened in Paris, people have been using that as a a peg to try and um, legislators have been trying to get this a bill passed that would make it exponentially harder for Syrian refugees to get into the United States. Um, At this time, President Obama has promised to admit 10,000 refugees to the U.S. next year. Um, And so there's this this bill out uh, in Congress, I think in the House right now, and they're ready to they're setting to vote on it, I think, either this week or next week. And it would make it would make all sorts of checks and balances. And and it's completely unnecessary. Um, It already takes two years, two years for Syrians or any refugees, I think, especially from Syria to get approved to come to the United States. Like there already are stringent um, regulations and checks and balances in place. And the fact that people are just sort of like tapping into this fear that people have um, in light of the Paris to get people to like enact this legislation that would deny, you know, refugees the right to seek refuge in America, it just gets under my skin. And you got Ben Carson. Did you hear Ben Carson was like giving a speech and he's like, well, if you had a rabid dog in your backyard, wouldn't you want to get, you know, keep the rabid dog out of your backyard? And I'm like, what is he even, honestly, Ben Carson, honestly, he's like my, my greatest disappointment because I'm like, man, gifted hands, could you shut the hell up (laughs) for real? Gifted hand, foolish mind. Put your, right, exactly. Put your hands over your mouth. Show me that gift. Because I'm just like so disappointed at this man who just raised himself from like, like, you know, poverty and impossible dreams to become this like brilliant surgeon and this is what this is your legacy that you're leaving you know I'm just like wow you just decided you know what I everybody thinks I'm amazing let me just go ahead and mess that up (laughs) (laughs) he's done he's he's I mean like I wanted to you know every I I was trying to explain to my dad this week and my dad and I, I so I went to Atlanta to visit my dad before the Thanksgiving holiday and he and I like to go for walks together, and we started talking about the refugee crisis. And my dad pays attention to the news. I mean, he wasn't—he's not college educated, um, but he pays attention to the news, and he's smart. And even he was like, "But they can get in so easily, you know? They can just come across and just come to America super easy." And I was like, "I tried to tell him, no, it takes two years." But that information isn't easy to find. Um, but I was really, really happy because today on the front page of the New York Times, I think it's still there, there was a great article, and it's titled, Why It Takes Two Years for Syrian Refugees to Enter the U.S. And I was like, facts. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Facts. And literally, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty 20 
facts. I mean, 20 steps it takes to for a Syrian refugee to get to the United States. Um, fingerprint screening, uh, multiple background checks. You have to get a referral to get um, uh, registered to become a to get you know become a refugee here. You need. Um, you have to be interviewed uh, by immigration headquarters. You have to have an in-person interview with a Homeland Security officer. Like there's a cultural orientation class. There's a screening for contagious diseases, multi-agency security check. You have to be matched with an American resettlement agency. I'm like, is this not enough? Like, look how many hoops they have to dr- like jump through. This legislation is just a fear tactic. It's just Republicans. I'm sorry, conservatives um, trying to take advantage of people's fear. And and this sort of fear mongering does nothing but deny people who are literally seeking refuge from war access to the same kind of peace and freedom that we enjoy every day. And I just think that's that's terrible. Yeah. Sometimes you just look at this world and you're like, ugh. But, you know, when I was in Georgia, and I'm not going to lie, Georgia is not the most, I mean, Georgia has some closed-minded people. Mm -hmm. Now, Atlanta is a different story because it's a big city, but I was riding through the city with my woe, um, (laughs) with my dad, and I passed by this church, and the sign, uh, North Decatur United Methodist Church, anybody from Decatur, hey, (laughs) Um, the sign in the church says, refugees are welcome here, worship Sundays at 11 a.m., and I I took a little picture, and I was like... Okay, Georgia. Like you're not all bad. I'll post that in our in our Facebook group and our Facebook page. I did. I put it on Instagram. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it up there. I thought that was really nice. It kind of warmed my little heart. What um, is? So as long as there's some people out there who aren't this close-minded, I think we'll be okay. But I'm taking. I guess my official brown break is on the lies surrounding um, what it takes for Syrian refugees to get into the United States. Well, for our tips today, I wanted to, we got a couple of really good um, reader emails. So we're going to try and answer one per episode. And if you want to send us a question about anything, your finances, your career, your love life, um, we'll try and answer it on the air. You can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. I got the last part good. Yeah. (laughs) Brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your question. Um, You can be anonymous, but most people have been giving us their first name, which has been nice helps us, you know, feel like we're talking to a real person. Mm -hmm. Um, So today's question, I'll read it real quick. It comes from Taryn. Thanks, Miss Taryn, for listening. She says, I am 36, I'm single, and I have no children. And Taryn has a question about her 401k situation. She says, I'm currently working full-time in the nonprofit world, but she has dreams of becoming a non-traditional, non-to-five um, career woman. She changes jobs every one and a half years, and she says, I usually contribute to the 401k, which means she has a few 401k accounts that range from like $900 to $2,100 floating out there in the world. She says, I recently started a new job, and it's time to sign up for a 401k. So Taryn has a few different questions here. I'm going to start with the very first one, which is essentially, I have these 401k like accounts floating out there with a couple hundred bucks in them. What should I do? I say that she, it's, it's never wise to have too many um, of these, like, like a retirement accounts with the actual company that you used to be before, because it's easy to lose track. And so it's best to do what's called a rollover. Not you. Don't you go and take the money out because you're going to be hit with all kinds of fees and taxes and stuff and you'll lose some money. But to go to whatever bank that you use or if you have some sort of outside IRA or Roth IRA at a bank 
ask them to roll it over for you. So that way you can have all of those accounts at one place and then you could still have your current um, retirement account at your current company. So doing, yeah, that's definitely, the first part you got to do is go find those old accounts. Because mm-hmm. even if you go through, so you're about to start a new job, even if you set up a 401k through your new job, they won't be able to tell you where your old accounts are. So you have to go down the list of your employers, try and go, like, go on LinkedIn if it's that many and try and like make a little list, go to all your old employers, ask them to tell you where your account's being held, go through the steps, trying to figure out where it is. And then you go through that account holder and set up a, it's called a, um, plan to plan rollover basically. So you'll ask them to just transfer the cash in your, in that 401k account to your new one. Um, her other question though, is since I switched jobs every one and a half years or so, does it make any sense to open up a new 401k at my new job? Mm. Which is a really good question. It is. I feel like if, if your new job offers matches, yes, absolutely. Do not turn down that free money. If they don't match, you might just want to open up your own individual retirement account, an IRA. You can do that through Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Mm -hmm. Schwab um, for a low cost. You know, you might need like $500 to $1,000 to open up one initially. And then you'll have your own little pot of money and you can still get all your old 401ks rolled over into that new IRA. Yeah, agreed. That like, yeah, if if they're not matching and you're feeling like you're going to jump around again, then yeah then do that. But if like, let's just say they, a lot of companies will match after like six months. So you definitely want to get that money. It doesn't make sense. So for those of you who are like, what's matching? Cause when I was like 20 something, I would have totally been like, what's that mean? And that just means that when you're with a company, so when I used to work for uh, a nonprofit, they had a 403B, which is basically like a 401k for nonprofits. And that was my retirement account. And then after like six months, I was like vested, which just basically means they were like, okay, you're here. So the money you put in, we will match up to 6%. That meant if I put 1% of my um, income into my retirement account, they put 1%. If I put 3, they put 3. If I put 6, they put 6. If I put 7, they still put 6 because that was their max. So if your company is going to put a percentage in, um, then at the very least put up to what they're going to put in. So 6 plus 6 equals 12% of your income going into your retirement account. Um, That's what we mean by matching. It's a beautiful thing. My very yeah. first big girl job in New York that I I did not realize until I was almost leaving. I was there for two years. They matched a hundred percent. No, oh baby Jesus, <laughs> it was so hard. But you know, and it wasn't until I got this job being a personal finance reporter where I finally learned all that. And I was like, damn it. But I was so. I mean, honestly, I was making such little money. I probably wouldn't even. I I barely was making rent. So I don't know if I would have contributed that much. But it was a lesson learned. Um, yeah. So definitely think about opening your own IRA because that way you won't have all these little accounts floating out there. You'll just have it all in one place um, and you should definitely set up automatic withdrawals. Yeah, Automatic is yes. the best. It is like, let me tell you. So I automatic, let me, let me back up a little bit. So I've been writing personal finance for like almost five years now. Every time I see a headline that's like the seven pieces of advice millionaires always give or like the seven things millionaires do to earn their money or the one piece of advice Warren Buffett has, like every single time I know Mm -hmm. exactly what I'm going to see. It's going to say save and automate it. Yes. Because it works. Okay. Because it works. So definitely you want to, yeah, think about opening your own IRA, Taryn. Um, And then her last question, well, she has a couple more. (laughs) She has a lot of questions packed into one. She wants to know how much should I be contributing? Um, so when you're automating your savings, 
Um, I mean, the general rule of thumb is 10%. Mm-hmm. Okay. If your employer is going to match 5%, then you only have to put in 5%. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if you can put in 10 but again, you just want to capture that match. Um, I personally contribute 12%, and that is because I spent, like I said, two years of my life wasting um, not spending or not saving for retirement. So I'm playing a little bit of catch-up. So I saved 12. I've heard between 10 and 15%. I was going to say that. 10, well, and you know why, too? Especially for women, 10% is really like the rule of thumb, I feel like, for men. But we live longer. So I would say for women, like, I think 12, where you're doing now, is great. That 12% is, I mean, because why not have more for your older self, you know? Oh, yeah. I, you know, so I, I actually set aside 20% because I'm self-employed. So I don't have the benefit of, like, you know, having, you know, a 401k anymore or 403b. And so I set aside a larger percentage because I don't know, I'm just like, I'm self-employed. So I want to make sure that I'm super covered, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not contributing to my social security. Like, like I was before. I'm like, am I contributing to my social security? I don't know. That's a question for my accountant, but, um, well, yeah. Do you so, have a, so you have an IRA set up? I do. I have. Yeah. So the thing is, I do 20%, but I do 10% of it is strictly retirement and 10% of it is investing for wealth. So okay. that's how, yeah. So that's how I split mine that it's like, oh, okay. So James, who's my, um, who's my financial advisor, we're actually going to sit down and talk, um, in a few weeks because I'm like, James, I'm coming into some money. The budget needs kicking butt and taking names. So I just love James because I could talk to him like that. And um, I was like, so what should I do? He's like, come see me so we can like re, you know, reorganize like what, how, where your money is going. So, And it's hard to answer that question for a, a person we don't know either. Yep. don't know your entire financial history. So I would say, you know, if you feel like 10% is too much, what you can do is just start with like, start with six, let's say. Start with five, 6%. That's a little bit of money. And then some 401k plans and even IRAs out there will do a thing where every year it notches, ratches it up by one percentage point. So next year it'll go to seven. The year after that'll go up to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do that, then you'll be saving a little bit more automatically. Again, you you probably won't even feel it because one percent feels a lot less painful than exactly going from six to ten in yep. you know one minute. So that's one idea. If your plan offers, I, I'm doing that actually. So I think this year. So I started out at eleven percent, okay. and now I'm at twelve. And I think next year will be thirteen. Um, working my way up. But that's how I did too. I think I started off at like five percent, and like every year I would bump and bump, and and now I'm at twenty, and I think that I'll probably cap myself at twenty, or I might not. I might do. I feel like if you if I'm making way more, because I live pretty simply. If I all of a sudden make a million dollars next year, hand to God, praise Him. No, if I make <laughs> <laughs> if I make a million dollars next year, then I'll likely do even more because I won't be needing a million to live off of. And no, I don't give out loans. So don't even try it, BA folks, because some of y'all hit me behind the scenes. No, I'm just joking. None of y'all For do real? No, I'm just joking. Thank God. I'm like, no, because honestly, the answer is no. <laughs> and automating, automative is just think of it as, you know, my little brother, I just talked to him about saving. I, he just started his first job. He's making really good money. And he's feeling kind of some way about himself. And he's like, oh, you know, I don't really want to save. I want to enjoy my money. Uh, and when he said that, I was like, but saving is not taking, you're not giving your money to someone else. You're literally exactly. paying yourself. Like, that's what you should think of saving as. And he's like, paying myself. Yeah, you're right. It's not disappearing. I'm still got it. I'm like, yes. yes. People really have this, like, mental block when they think that they're saving, but it's not their money anymore. I'm like, yes, it is. Exactly. <laughs> it's and also, actually still there. Because people, too, when it comes to retirement, it's because they cannot connect with their older self. So that's why I named my older self. I named her Wanda. And I encourage you to name your older self, Taryn. 
You know, maybe her name is Teresa. I don't know. But I always think to myself, like, oh, do I really want Wanda eating cat food? <laughs> or do I really want Wanda, like, you know, struggling? Because you have to think about it. Imagine if you live with your grandma and it's between you or grandma has to go to work to, like, pay these bills. You would never send your, well, you never know. But most people <laughs> would never send their grandma out, like, grandma, you better go to work, girl. These bills not going to pay themselves. You would not do that. But we do that with our older selves. We do less now. And then what do you think is going to happen when we get to be older? We're going to have to put in work because of the, the slacking we kind of did when we were younger. Really, it's your younger self's job to take care of your older self. So try to think of your older self like your own grandma and, you know, treat her kindly. Don't make her work. Instead, you work now because you're younger. And Taryn, you're 36. You have another 50 years probably. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're you know, going to live to the average age for women, which is like, I think, what, 86, something like that, 85? Anyway, it's a couple years older than men, a few years, actually. So we have, like Tiffany said, you have much longer to be saving for. And don't think that you're ever too young to start saving, you know, yeah. and, and don't think that, oh, I'll just start saving next year when I'm rich. No, exactly. saving is what gets you rich. You know Exactly. What I mean? Save now. So she had a quick technical question, um, which was Roth 401k or traditional 401k. And I don't want to get too much into the weeds about this, but it, and you can do all, she's, she says herself, I've done the Googles and I feel like I have a pretty good idea about the difference. So you can easily Google this. I've written a ton of stuff. Just, just Google Mandy Woodruff, Roth 401k. You'll probably find an article on it. Um, so the main difference between a Roth and a traditional is when you pay taxes on it. Mm -hmm. So with a Roth, you are putting money in and you're paying taxes immediately. Yep. This is cool because when you retire, you take the money out, you don't pay any taxes. With traditional, you're deferring that tax benefit. Mm -hmm. So you're putting the money in, and when you take it out later, you're going to pay taxes on it. So what's it, why would you sign up for a Roth versus traditional? So if you are younger and you think you're probably – if you're younger now, you know, you're probably early in your career, you're probably going to be earning less now than you will later. Exactly. So if you put money in a Roth, you'll pay at a lower tax bracket today than you would if you paid taxes later when you retire. Because yeah. you'll probably be earning more. So for that reason, it pretty much makes sense to go with a Roth. Um, but again, it's really hard to give detailed personal advice when, I don't, when we don't know. So like Tiffany has James. I have used a financial planner before through a service called LearnVest. Um, you can go out there and find like find someone, a financial planner to sit down with you like one-on-one if mm -hmm. you want to. Um, like a fee-only planner, and they'll just charge you for like the hour or just charge you for the plan, and they're not going to like attach their salary to whatever gains you make on your accounts. They're not going to try and sell you any products. Um, you really want to look for a fee-only planner. There's a website I point people to called NAPFA, N-A-P as in Paul, F as in Frank, A.org, National Association Ooh. of personal financial advisors, I forget. NAPFA. They have, NAPFA. They have a whole database of people who are fee-only planners, and you can put in your zip code, and then you go and find them in your area. I mean, it's kind of like trying to find a good gyno. Yeah, like, for real. You got to, like, interview them and like, you do. feel comfortable. You want to make sure that these people are looking after you. And it's not just like I chose James because I had been looking for two years, and I was looking for someone who was passionate about um, investing the way I was about budgeting and saving and stuff like that, you know? And what I loved about James is that he was like, he, he could talk about investing all day. It's to the point where I was like, James, I got to go home. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I love that because I was like, wow, because what that signified to me was that James was going to do a good job because of James, not because of anything else, because he loved it. You could tell that he loved it. And it took me a long time to find someone who was loving it like that because, you know, I I just wanted to make sure someone was going to do right by me because it was just in them to do that way. So even like all of my um, financial, like I have a money team. My accountant, Carlos, same way. Carlos is like, he loves him some taxes. I'm like, Carlos, nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) But Carlos is like, and then. (laughs) And so my bookkeeper, same way. She's awesome. She's like, Tiffany, you're spending this and you're doing that. And here's the trends. And so if you're looking to build your money team, your, your financial advisor, your accountant, your bookkeeper, all of these people, you want to make sure that they they bring to the table what you're looking for. Like I said, for me, I was looking for passion about their specific um, subject area. And, you know, but that might not be something for you that's important. You might be looking for something else, but build a money team and start early. Mm-hmm. It's like the new squad. Squad yeah, goals. Yeah. Make this squad your squad goals. goals. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty models are cool, but they are not going to do your taxes for you. Exactly. Or help you figure out how to buy a house. Um, So, Taryn, I hope that helped answer your bajillion questions. You're sneaky. You have like six questions in this one. You And you BA folks, don't try to be like Taryn. Like, oh, I'm going to sneak in. No. That was our first question, so we let Taryn skate with that one. She got She had an extra one I totally forgot. It's so many. She says she's trying to buy a home and trying to go back to school, and I don't know if I can really afford to reduce my income. Well, not if you're planning on buying a home or going back to school. Yeah. Actually, um, I have this. If you get a chance, Taryn, I have this checklist. So I bought a home when I was 25, and it was a big mistake. You ever see um, Pretty Women? Huge, big mistake. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, there was a, uh, there, I created a checklist of I wish what people would have told me. So if you go to the Budget Needs to Blog and just type in home, so there's like seven things like, oh, I wish somebody would told me that I should have made my mortgage what I call rentable, for example, meaning that like if I have to move out, then will will I be able to rent this house out and cover my costs? I didn't know that I was not able to. Ooh, I'm going to put that in the on the blog post when this. So if you're listening now. This is well, I'll put the link to Tiffany's blog post on mortgage mistakes or uh, buying a house mistakes. In yes. the post, So you can click there. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Money on my mind and I really, what, how's it go? (laughs) I'm like, you know what? It's terrible because I'm just like, wait. Everybody hands go up. Right? And they say, no. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really old right now. What are the cheering listening to? Oh, so my win from the week is a blast from the past. We all get hit up every once in a while, but by somebody we used to date before. And it's not always pleasant, but mine actually was. So my ex-boyfriend hit me up just on Facebook to say, hey, Tiffany, you know, I heard your podcast. I'm so proud of you. I'm sure you heard this before. And it's just so crazy because one of the reasons why we broke up is because he wanted a more traditional type of girl. Like I broke up with him, but he wanted a more traditional, like at the time I was a preschool teacher and it was very comfortable to have a preschool teacher girlfriend slash, you know, potential wife. Like you go to work in the morning, you're done by three, you cook, you clean. I I did all that kind of stuff, but something in me wanted to do more. And I didn't know what more was, but I knew I wanted to do it. So I was trying out all these different things. Like I would come home and cook, but instead of hanging out and like watching TV with him, like I normally would, I would 
you know, be on the computer or, or taking a class or trying to figure out what this feeling was inside of me of the more that I wanted to go after. And he came to kind of resent it. He would never say, don't do it. But it was like, you know, when you're with someone for a long time, we were together for like five or six years, you could feel it when they're like, oh, here she goes again, you know? Yeah. And so after a while, I was just like, I felt like I was holding myself back so he could be okay. And I, I was 26 at the time. And I was just like, yeah, I don't want to live like this. Like, because I thought to myself at 26, Tiffany, if your life is going to be like this at 36, will you be happy? And I said, no, even though he was sweet, he was kind, he was loyal, he was faithful, all of these great things. But I knew that I would not be happy holding myself back for the rest of my life. And so we broke up. It was not an easy breakup. He didn't take it that well. And at one point I was really struggling, really struggling after we broke up, like financially and everywhere. I lost my job. I'd lost everything. And I remember, I guess in a fit of anger, he like hit me up one day. It was like, oh, so you, you left me because you thought you were going to have a better life. But basically, look at you now. <laughs> oh, I know. Breakups is ugly. I know. I was- <laughs> Brings out the nasty in everybody. <laughs> oh, God. I, I clutched my pearls. I said, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. You know, I was already feeling low, but thank you for for pushing my face into the dirt. And, you know, um, since then, he's he's apologized for that. And then. He said today, because he, I posted something on Facebook about being on tour with like Brooke Shields and like um, and Martha Stewart. I did this Know Your Value tour with MSNBC and Prudential, and like they were all speaking at the same tour. And he said today, you know, it's so funny that you know to watch you and watch you grow and see where you are now. He said, I guess you showed me, huh? And I was like, I guess I did. <laughs> and it just felt really good. And I was just thinking to myself, you know what? This is what I didn't know what the more was, but this is it. I I could not articulate it when I was 26. But now at 36, I'm living the life that I wanted to live, that I knew I could not live with him. And not in even in a, you know, I'm I'm not bashing him anyway. He's a great guy, you know, but we weren't a match. And now I'm so glad he gets to honestly see that, like, this is what Tiffany was talking about. Because I don't honestly, I'm sure he's looking at my life now and saying, yeah, I don't want that in a wife. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably grateful. That's great that he was big enough to say that to you. That's a a good win. I'm making that one of your wins for tonight. Yes, no, that could definitely be my win. Yeah, so yeah, it just felt good to be like, yes, because I didn't want him to think that I just left, like, for no reason. Because we had such a great relationship. But it was just like, oh, I want more. I don't know what more is. So he's like, so you're leaving me for a vague feeling? And I'm like, yeah, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. A so, gut feeling. Maybe yeah. it felt a little vague. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely my win. Like, oh, uh, so I guess she showed me. And I was like, you know what? I guess I did. <laughs> good for you. Thanks. And good for him. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm not going to say his name, obviously, because who knows? His wife might listen. But it's not even <laughs> like that. Wife, if you're listening, we don't want each other. I am so good with Superman. He sounded really well. I don't speak to him, but it was just a Facebook quick message. He sounded really happy with you. So congratulations. Everybody's happy. Everybody's winning. Yay.
<laughs> okay. Um, oh, my win. I, I got it. I got it. I remember now. So uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is the MacArthur's genius, he's won so much appraise for his um, his book, Between the World and Me, which came out earlier this year. He's a brilliant writer. He's a, uh, I think he's a national correspondent for The Atlantic. Um, and he was recently awarded the National Book Award, which is like kind of close to a Pulitzer, okay? It's a big deal. Um, and he won it for the book Between the World and Me. And if you're not familiar with ta first of all, get familiar. You must go read everything he's written. Mm-hmm. He's becoming, he's like one of the foremost writers on race in America today. And his book is written, um, it's influenced um, by James Baldwin, who is an, an author you should also read. But he basically writes a story as if he's talking to his teenage son, which he has a teenage son, and basically telling him what it's like to be a black man in America today. Um, and the book was inspired by his friend who he met when he was at Howard University. I think in the early 2000s, um, his friend one day was mistaken for a criminal. Um, a plainclothes cop, I believe, officer followed him home and just proceeded to shoot him dead in the street. Uh, without a warrant, without any probable cause, this guy was mistaken for a criminal. Um, his name is Prince Jones. And when ta Codes got up to give his acceptance, acceptance speech at the National Book Awards, he gave a really amazing speech. It's only five minutes long. You should go watch it. I'm going to put a link again on the blog post on brownambitionpodcast.com um, to the post. But I wanted to read a quick quote. Actually, I might just play it. Let me see if I can play it. Um, but basically, he says, I've waited 15 years for this moment. Because when Prince Jones died, there were no cameras. Nobody else was looking. Um, and Tanahasi says, I can't secure the safety of my son, but what I do have the power to do is say, you won't enroll me in this lie. You won't make me part of it. And the lie he's referring to, which he mentions earlier in the speech, is just the idea that because you're black and you live in America, that you are predisposed to crime. Mm. And that you deserve to be treated, to be brutalized. And he sort of like did a quick run through of all the... You know, the young girl who was flipped through her desk chair mm-hmm. in that classroom, Tamir Rice, uh, Michael Brown, all these Freddie, um, Freddie Gray. And he's I, 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 th- I feel like it was really like a moment of vindication for him because his friend got no justice. There were no cameras, like he mm. said. He says that the cop um, and he writes about it in the book, the whole story. It's, it's harrowing. He talks to Prince's mother. Um, but the cop who killed him, there was no trial. He wasn't convicted of anything. In fact, he went back on the streets to become a cop, and he had all these prior complaints against him. So um, I'm just excited that Ta-Nehisi is getting his due Yes, for being brilliant. And if you haven't read his book, go ahead. You know, it's kind of heavy, um, but I think it's worth reading. I'm sorry. We're, we're usually supposed to end on a win, and we're like, ah, we're ending on a loss. Well, <laughs> sorry. Well, Tanahasi, he's such a, you know, he's sort of an anti-hero in the literary world, and in, in, in the in the whole Black America, the whole, um, you know, Black Lives Matter movement. He is sort of an anti-hero in that he will he refuses to say it's all going to be okay. Mm. And so I think that's a win in and of itself, you know, and I'm glad he's getting the props because he has, you know, he tries to deny that he's like this public intellectual figure, you know, but he honestly has brought so much. Um, so much of a spotlight to issues that maybe wouldn't have been addressed otherwise and such a really intelligent voice. So I'm grateful to him. And I think that is a win. Yes, it is a win. So thanks so much for listening, guys. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to Facebook and find us at the Brown Ambition at Brown Ambition, not the just, <laughs> just Brown Ambition and the BA podcast on Twitter. 
The BA podcast. Yes, that's where we get tripped up because there's a V in the Twitter name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah. I've been, people have been tweeting us. Like, I love it. I'm like, they're tweeting us! And emailing. The, the questions have been streaming in. We love the questions. We have a couple lined up for next week. Um, so definitely email us your questions. You can tweet us your questions. Tweet us your brown breaks, your yeah. wins, whatever you want. And definitely join the group on Facebook because it is over 500 people right now. And it's just so much fun. We share all the all our favorite links there. And um, it just brings some, like, extra extra goodness when you're when you're missing your brown ambition fix exactly you know you love us you know you love us <laughs> I, I love you too <laughs> all right well enjoy your turkey day enjoy thanksgiving oh, happy thanksgiving you too have fun eating pray for yeah. me <laughs> you too okay bye right, bye bye The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.